Iowa everywhere. Live from the Channel Seed Studios. Channel Seed Studios. This is Jared and Jabo and Iowa Everywhere. Where? Jared Stansberry. Jared Stansberry. Jordan Bohannon. Jordan Bohannon. Together on Iowa Everywhere. Channel Seed. Seedsmanship at work. Yo, welcome into the podcast in the Channel Seed Studios. What's going on, Jordan? You're back from California? I'm back in the great state of Iowa. Yes. It's about it's it's good that you, we're going to get to this later on in the show. It's good that you're back in California or in Iowa now because I think California was starting to get the best of you. I think yeah, that it, it, you it had can, gotten out of control. Yeah, as you guys can see, I have uh, I, I wanted to turn into Jared Stansbury myself. So the last couple, um, this is only six days, by the way. People don't talk about it. It's only six days. People don't talk about the fact it's only been six days. Your mustache. Yeah. That's a good mustache, man. It, yeah. You pull it off well. It maybe needs to be a little bushier, but you can it'll it'll get there. You're gonna be Ted Lasso before you know it. Uh, Yeah, I got called by uh, a pedophile by my mom uh, when I got home. So, yeah, Uh, you hate to see the people who are supposed to have your back don't have your back. Just gun you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, I like the look, but there's some people around me that. When I'm your mom calls you a right. pedophile, when your mom calls you a pedophile, you might need to rethink the look because your your mom is going to think you look good no matter what. So if she doesn't think you look good. She thinks you look like a pedophile. Then you might need to shave the mustache. Yeah, she's brutally honest though. So that's why I love her. She's gonna she's gonna lay down the truth. That's what we do. Keep it one hundred with you. All right, yeah. we we got plenty of stories to get to here on today's podcast. Uh, the Big Twelve wants to play football and basketball in Mexico. Uh, there's continuing conversations over whether or not two-time transfers will be able to uh, play next season if they don't have their degree. And then we've got a handful of stories, including a epic uh, receipts of asking money back from Morgan Wallen for a, c- a canceled concert. So we're going to get to that uh, later on in the show. But let's start with uh, the Big 12 wants to play basketball and football in Mexico uh, starting in 2024, working towards an agreement. They'll play football games in Monterey. They'll play men's basketball in Mexico City and potentially move more sports or play more sports down there uh, in the future. They want to play a Kansas and Houston basketball game in Mexico City. Uh, interesting to, interesting move, to say the least. Uh, I would like to hear the reasoning behind it from the Big 12 and get like a legitimate answer. Because I just I find it hard to believe that stretching the Big Twelve brand into Mexico is necessarily a massive business boom, and it you'd be hard pressed to convince me that like oh we're trying to do this for recruiting or something like that because I don't know of a single Division One men's basketball player that's come from Mexico. I'm sure that there is one, but I don't know of one, which makes me think that this is kind of a stretch if that's what the reasoning would be to try and go and do this. What do you think of playing basketball and football games in Mexico? Well, first comes the first, Jared. We all know this is not about money. This yeah. is about the kids and their education at their schools. So right away, you got to think about that, right, Jared? That's the right. only thing that matters out of this whole thing. But I don't know. I kind of have a little disagreement here because – the G league has a team in Mexico city and I believe their first in attendance 
Really? I don't, I, I don't know how or why, but they must love their basketball down there. I'm not saying this might be a good idea necessarily for the Big 12 because I just don't – first of all, are we going to have to have a little security down there to make sure these players well, – I just don't understand the like. Do, do they even follow college sports in Mexico? Yeah, you know? I mean, does it matter? Like, will people just show up anyway and be like, "Oh, they're playing basketball tonight. Let's go watch some basketball." I want to know what the the board meeting was like with the with the Big Twelve saying, "Hey, what's the plan this next year?" And someone just blurts out, "Mexico." <laughs> I feel like that's how it went, and they're like, "Oh my!" Everyone just loved it. They just hopped right on it, and they say, "Dude." We're going to Mexico. We're going to have games. We're going to have basketball. We're going to have football. Shit, we might have tennis at some point. Let's just, just do it all for the kids. This is all about the kids. I just – I imagine that he had – the commissioner had a PowerPoint, and he's clicking through it. It has one slide on it, and all it says in big block letters is Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> and the presidents are sitting around, this is the guy's plan. This is the guy's plan. We're going to go play in Mexico. Literally. I just – I just I don't get it. I mean, I know they played they play football in Ireland. They do all that kind of stuff. It just it feels like a stretch, you know. I can understand why the NBA, why the NFL, why they go and do those things because it's conceivable that they could have an expansion franchise in Mexico City and you want to continue to just gauge what the level of interest is in that area. But for colleges like it makes it doesn't make any sense to me. It just yeah. it doesn't it doesn't seem to have a legitimate reasoning behind it, but I appreciate like I, I go both ways on it because I can appreciate the idea of trying to do things that are new, that are different, that, you know, kind of push the medium forward a little bit, but also I would like to see us do ones, do things that have like reasoning behind them and don't just seem like shots in the dark, throwing the darts at the board. I just think it's another example that we're putting so much resources on expanding the game, right? And there's, I might sound like a broken record here, but there's still so much to be done for the kids themselves for how they're handling college athletics. And another example, like, okay, we, we want to play in Mexico. How, how, is he, how are these kids not considered employees now, right? Mm-hmm. Like it goes right back to everything we've been talking about the last couple of weeks too. We're we're playing games in different countries now. Football teams are playing in Ireland. They want to play in Mexico now. Like I was just talking to Hunter Dickinson the other week, and he was talking about his trip to London. He, he I don't think that was talked about enough about how Michigan just went to London in the middle of the week and played a basketball game yeah. in the middle in the middle of the season, and we're yeah. considering like that's where we're putting our resources on is okay. We're, we're going to expand the game. Great. But let's put our resources resources in a different direction first, before we decide to go the route. Cause right now this is the route of professionals yeah. playing in a different country. Yeah. And it just is uh did you guys play in Mexico city? Did you play in Mexico city? No, no. Oh, okay. I was going to say, I feel like you would have told me at some point if you're like, yeah, we're going to play the Mexican G league team. Yeah, it was the, they had a lot of Mexican natives on their G because they came. We had a back to back with them in I was in uh, Des Moines, and they have some good ball players in Mexico. Surprisingly, I didn't think they the natives they had on their team. They, they can play. They, they got some hoopers. I mean, I believe they can play. I just, 
I don't know why we've never seen him in college basketball. Yeah. Yeah. It's a bizarre move. I agree. And they also came out yesterday and said that they're going to modernize their, their broadcasts, you know, like do what the XFL's done and be doing in game interviews and things like that with their coaches. Like, which I think those are the kinds of things I'm all behind that. Like, that's all cool. You know, we can do all those kinds of things and make the games more interesting or make the games a little bit more fun, add new wrinkles to the games. I just think it's weird when it's, we're going to ask Kansas or Houston, two of the best atmospheres in college basketball to give up a home game to go and play in Mexico city. Yeah, that's a good point. I never thought about that. They're literally basically giving up. They're giving up a slot on their schedule yeah, and making it a, a neutral site game, which is huge because the teams themselves are huge powerhouses and that one game can mean a huge, a hell of a lot for their season. And imagine how Kelvin Sampson or Bill Self will feel about it if they've got to play in Mexico City on Saturday and then turn around and play on big Monday against Iowa State and Ames or something like that. You know, like they're going to be like, fuck this shit. I'm not trying to go to Mexico. Not trying That's going to ruin their schedules too. Like yeah. traveling, you're basically losing a day in your week as a team to practice, to prepare for a game. So... I would imagine those teams that are playing in Mexico, they're going to have like a one day, two day prep coming back, flying back into the States against the, I'm assuming they're going to play someone else really good in one of those teams. Yeah. Well, you can't avoid people that are really good, really uh, playing in, in some of these leagues, especially the, uh, the big 12 with the way it is now. Uh, there's just so much to still sort out with college basketball, especially here throughout this off season. Uh, the guys that have, are transferring for the second time in their careers now uh, are, is going to become a story as we get closer and closer to, uh, to the season, whether or not the NCAA is going to let some of these play, some of these guys play the athletic talk to Mike Boynton, who had two from Oklahoma state, who had two guys transfer out, who had already transferred before Musa Cisse, who is the big 12 defensive player of the year in 2022. And then Woody Newton, who was a uh, one of their rotational guards, uh, both guys had already transferred at, at one point in their career. Uh, and Boynton told the athletic quote, they think they'll figure it out. They'll get enough sympathy publicly by some stops sob story coming out in the press and somebody latching onto it and on, on social media that they'll be viewed as a victim somehow. And that'll all be taken care of. And in some ways I can see how they'd think that. We don't have any precedents that the NCAA, especially recently, is going to stand up and try to hold anybody accountable to anything. Man, that is a really uh, – he really went two different directions there with that quote. Uh, one, to kind of throw the kids under the bus a little bit, which is sad to see from Mike Boynton, who I think is a, a good coach and a, has seemed to be like a good players coach from what I've been able to gather as he's been at Oklahoma State – to say that about two guys that are leaving his program, it's not how they're going to have a sob story about being able to play. Uh, but then I think he's right. Like the NCAA has no precedent for actually being able to enforce any of this stuff. So it's like, I can understand where the sour grapes are coming from on Mike Boynton's on Mike Boynton's side. Cause this is supposed to be a rule, but at the same time, can you be mad about it? Because like we have no understanding that they're actually going to enforce the rules at the end of the day. Yeah. I, I, I go, I go both sides on this. I think from one, it kind of looks like a bad look right now because anyone that's kind of against players as a whole, I feel like is in the minority, especially coaches. And as a coach right now, you don't want to be on, not on the player side. Like you see a lot of, a lot of the coaches now just backing, transferring, backing 
you know, NIL backing, getting paid uh, money, no matter if it's being an employee or with NIL itself. So I think anytime you speak out against that right now, that's going to be detrimental to your program. Like, I don't think this is necessarily going to help Boynton in the future because you want to, you want a coach that's going to back you no matter what. And that's obviously not backing players. And if I was a player looking for a school, that's, that I would see that I'd probably not want to go there because you don't, you you have a guy that's not necessarily for you. And if they want to take the side of the NCA, that's the problem in itself too, because like you said, they're not going to force shit if they, if they're had any the president before. Well, and I find it hard to believe that Woody Newton or Musa Cisse will be interested in returning to Oklahoma state after reading that quote, even if they didn't find, which I'm sure, you know, they won't have any trouble finding anywhere to go, but hypothetically, if they did have trouble finding somewhere to go, I can't imagine that that would help them be like, yeah, I'm going to go back and play for Mike Boynton again. You know, like that's just as unfortunate. Uh, this, here's another quote from this story. Uh, this is from an anonymous, uh, high major coach. The real problem is this makes a mockery of a mockery of mental health for people to use it as a way to keep their basketball eligibility is in my opinion, disgraceful. I know coaches, agents are directing people as soon as they get on campus to meet with a mental health person to set that groundwork. That's a sad commentary on who some of these people are as leaders and mentors. What are we doing? Notice that guy said he's anonymous. He doesn't have the balls. If you want, if he truly, if you truly believe in that, Jared, let that be known. That that's what I hate about some of these stories, and especially some of these reporters out there that are college basketball insiders. They do this shit like in their anonymous source or whatever. And I think it's such a bad look for both people because it looks like that guy doesn't have the balls to say that publicly, right? Like, I don't know the instances before of him getting interviewed or being talked to, or maybe it was a text message. Dude, if you have that, if you have that opinion, then say it. But he knows if he has that opinion out loud, like, boy, that's going to hurt his program and be detrimental because of guys that are left before. And to be honest with you, Jared, again, I'm a back to players. If there was an issue where a guy was doing that with the mental health, okay, maybe maybe it's true in some instances. But most of the time, that coach has no idea still what that player goes through on a day-to-day basis. He has no idea. Like, he might believe that he doesn't have a mental health issue. But you 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 can't sit there and say that he they're they're forcing something or they're doing something um to impersonate mental health to go somewhere else, especially where the coaching carousel and everything that's going on with the coaching world right now is like, I think that's just crazy to me. I'm not sure if this is another high major coach or if this is the same one, but they said everyone will use exactly how they got it. So if there is a mental illness where you see a counselor, it's documented and you get it. Everyone's going to do that. They're going to say, go see a counselor, get it documented. Our profession is too smart for our own good. Once someone finds a way, we all find out, find out what that way is and exploit it, which I think is absolutely true uh, to a, an extent. Like the, There are certainly people in here that in the industry that are going to cheat the system. Yeah. You know, like that. I'm not going to say that everybody does that. Cause I think that that's a massive sweeping generalization. I think that that first quote was a massive sweeping generalization, but there certainly will be who people who are going to exploit that. But I don't think the coaches realize the reason that the kids do that is because a lot of times the coaches are the ones that are kind of pulling the strings on telling them to go and do these things. You know, like, I don't think a kid has the idea 
that it's like, oh, I'm going to go see a counselor today so that I can get out of my eligibility here and go and play somewhere else. Like, I just, I don't see that many people like having that kind of train of thought, you know, but coaches will, because coaches are going to, are going to push the rules as we have been, as we have learned over hundreds of years of college athletics or over a hundred years of college athletics. Exploitation, exploitation, exploitation. Oh my gosh. Exploitation, exploitation. The daily word that Jordan can't say is that, um, to use the word exploit is a strong ass word for my coach too, because the coaches have been exploiting college athletes for hundreds of years and then they can go wherever they want. They can make a new contract. They can, we, we see how many times do we see it in NCAA tournament? They win a, when they win a game at low major school, they go to another school the next year. And I think anytime coaches say something like this about mental health like yes you're right there's there's some instances instances that people are going to exploit the system and they're going to do things to try to get to the next school not everyone's perfect but you can't sit there as coaches and say damn our profession as coaches is perfect and we can critique these players and these players are being um, granted whatever they want and they're so entitled that is just so far from the truth because of everything that's happening with the coaching world right now. Man, Mike Boynton really kept going. Okay, there's more from, There's more in this story. This The quotes in this story are just something else. This is from Mike Boynton again. NIL has really disrupted any sense of normalcy in our industry. Guys are literally going into the portal against their own better judgment because they believe that there's a lot of money out there that they're missing out on. There's got to be something to discourage it. There's no order anymore in our industry. I don't even care necessarily that much about the money because I think that what happened there is there's an element of lying in recruiting by nature. It gives you, gives you something else to lie about in recruiting. Like guys will lie about getting playing time or getting them to the NBA or number of shots or points they're going to have, whatever. So now we can just lie and say we're going to pay $500,000, which is totally irrational. Uh, I just, I, I don't think that anybody's being lied about, about getting their money. Like, yeah, there might've been some instances in which people were uh, not getting their money in timely fashions or things like that. But if the people were being promised money and weren't being given it consistently, and this is, was like a rampant thing across the country, we would know that. And I have not gotten any indication that that is a thing. You know, so to blow the whistle on that or to think that you're like blowing the panic whistle on that, I think is a massive stretch. It just, yeah, it's disrupted the industry, but I think it's disrupted the industry in the sense that like, this is the game now, you know, not, oh, people are being lied to and we need to protect them. It sounds like a coach that is, he's having issues handling the fact he's not in power anymore. That's what these quotes are, are giving me the vibe to like, he doesn't have the power to control these players. Like he has in the past, he doesn't know how to change. He's not adapting to what the world is now in college athletics. And I think this is very detrimental to his future. If again, if there's a player that was reading this article that is transferring, why the hell would you want to go here? Right. Right. Yeah. I have no idea. I mean, it's just bizarre to me. I, I, and again, how many times have we talked about the coach, the coaching world and how crazy and corrupt the coaching system is right now. And guys that are not wanting to adapt. Like we see Bayheim just speaking out nonsense his last couple of years at Syracuse because he wouldn't adapt. 
he didn't like the idea that college athletes had any power and voice and in turn it cost his program a lot a lot of money the last couple of years we saw a huge donor pull out a guy that was a billionaire that pretty much was in charge of the nil in syracuse and it has really hurt their program for the for the future to come yeah, the last part of this story, it says Boynton speaks for all coaches when asked if it's time for the NCAA to step up and hold firm on its stance this time. Uh, quote, if they don't now, Boynton said, they may as well just close the doors in Indy. Uh, might as well just close the door and the, close the doors in Indy. This dude, man, that's a shame because I had a lot of respect for this guy. I I like Mike Boynton, man. That's like – I. Man, me and Mike, Mike Boynton sat together at the Big 12 tournament last year and we're talking ball for two hours watching games. So this makes me sad to see some of these quotes because I just think that this was – I think this could have been better thought out on his end. I'd be willing to bet he had a huge – like the transfers he had out of school, there was a huge situation oh, that wasn't – Yeah, he yeah. he has had four or five guys transfer out and then I think they've gotten one transfer. So they It got makes him. me think they're way behind in the – nil game yeah they're having struggles with money I, I i'd be uh wanting to um see from their transfers and what what the situation is at oklahoma state because i bet there's more into about nil and issues with whatever going on with the program if, if this is the case which it sounds like from what he's saying in this article well yeah i mean they had musa Cisse, obviously like we talked about before transfer out but then avery anderson was one of their leading scorers he transferred oh, yeah. out too and went in conference went to tcu so I about that yeah, T- dude, TCU might have a good team. They've got a bunch of guards. They've got – well, they have Avery Anderson, but then Damian Bott, Emmanuel Miller are both tested in the NBA waters, and then uh, they brought in Jameer Nelson Jr. too from Delaware, who's another really good guard. So it's like that team's going to be really good, but at the expense of Mike Boynton, you know. Like Mike Boynton sits there and he's like, what the fuck, man? Like my best player went to TCU. My, be- my second best player is going to go wherever when he transfers for the second time. You know, like his team's just been completely gutted, probably because his team can't, com- his school can't compete in the sense of the of NIL, and it's just like there's some sour grapes there. I can imagine. Yeah, a little insecurity definitely going on right there. Well, I don't even know. Like, if you're a coach, how much can you feel, or like how much can that be insecurity if your school just doesn't have the infrastructure? Like, that's not your fault. Yeah. You know? Like that can, I can, that's why I say it's sour grapes. Like, I just think it's, it's an unfortunate situation for him where, and he's a guy who had opportunities to go and coach other places that probably sits there and is like, man, I should have got the fuck out of here. Maybe, but also I, I would, I would necessarily make the argument, Jared, it can be on him because he's the, he's the guy that's running the program, right? Obviously yeah. the AD and there's guy, there's donors, but he needs to come out and step up and say something about it then. If if it's truly an issue, he's not gonna he's not gonna change what college basketball is right now by spewing this nonsense and hurting his program. Like he went the totally opposite direction. Come out and say, "Hey, we're having a huge issue right now at Oklahoma State. We need to have guys step up in the program and help us get guys and stay at Oklahoma State." That's what you need to say, not this, not the other other direction. Because now it looks like you don't even want to fight for your kids. Right. Yeah. Just a weird story. Weird story. It will be interesting to follow this as we get closer and closer to the season because I just think that this is going to be a – is going to continue to be more and more of a a huge story as uh, as the season goes along. All right. I've got a couple stories for you here real quick before, uh, uh, before we sign off that uh, are coming from around the world. Uh, first one comes from 
the state of West Virginia, where a uh, here, we'll watch this video so that you can understand what happened uh, to this individual, this principal at a school. Uh, you see him right there. He's unhooking the trash cans, getting everything ready to go for the day. What the f- <laughs> And a black bear pops out. Are we serious? Yeah. What's your reaction? At, the, at this moment, that trash lid pops up. I'm out. I'm gone. Oh, hell no. This, this girl didn't even look worried in the door. What do you think the bear, how'd the bear end up in the trash can? That's what I'd like to know. And he closed the lid. How smart yeah. is the bear? Right. Right. Or was the bear in there and like whoever locked up the trash can the night before just like flips the window or flips the thing up open and then just shuts it and doesn't even look inside to see if there's a bear inside. Well, I mean, how smart is that bear to have some shelter? I'm assuming he he slept there overnight. He had a little house, probably had a yeah. little pillow on there at this rate. Holy shit. Yeah, that's uh that's a tough scene. Uh all right, this story comes from Virginia. Uh Manassas, Virginia. A large snake brought traffic to a stop in an intersection in Prince William County, Virginia. The snake was in an electrical panel at the intersection of Prince William Parkway and Sudley Manor Drive and caused a power outage on Monday. The Prince William County Police Department said in a statement, the police officer and an animal control officer worked together to remove the snake from the panel and release it in an unharmed area. The snake was so large that it flipped a breaker switch that shut off the signal, but it didn't damage anything inside of the box. It's believed that the snake had been living in the box for a while due to molten skin found inside. So the next time that you get up to the intersection and the lights are flashing, you know, instead of like actually going up and down, uh, just assume that there's a massive snake in that intersection electrical box. Dude, I, I tell you what, the snakes scare the living shit out of me. I watched snakes on a plane when I was a little kid. I think that honestly traumatized me. I don't know. Have you seen that movie? No, no. But I know the general gist of it. It's Samuel yeah. L. Jackson being a badass with snakes on a plane. Yeah. I mean, it's literally the title of it is, is the story of the whole movie. It. Honestly, it traumatized me. And ever since then, dude, I've always like, I remember being a little kid and laying down on my bed and being scared of a snake, like coming up on my bed, like in the middle of, I'm, I'm literally in the middle of Iowa. Like there's not going to be a snake that comes. There could be. Oh well, yeah, there could be. I think it traumatized me, dude. It honestly did. Not like, you know, it could be like a, I don't know. Like I could see like a gardener snake or something, garter snake coming up on. Yeah, but I, how many how many stories are there out there in Iowa? It's like, oh, I was awakened by a big seventy five thousand pound gardener snake in Des Moines, Iowa, this morning. Not very many. Not not very many. What are the kinds of what's like the bad snakes that we have here? We have like a. Bull we have a, we, we have a poisonous right? one, I believe. Snakes in <laughs> Iowa. We do have rattlesnakes. Yeah. Uh, brown snakes, black rat snakes. God, these snakes are disgusting, dude. Oh, my, they make me want to puke. I hate I'm snakes. not even looking it up. Milk snakes. Ooh. These snake milk? Kinda, I'm going to put snake are, milk in my coffee this morning. These ones are kind of cool. I'll show you this one. This is a snake in Iowa, apparently. 
What do you think of that? If you that saw thing, that snake in your bed, what are you thinking? I'm sh pissing, I'm shitting, and I'm throwing up. All three <laughs> of those combined. Hell no. Hell no. Yeah. That is, uh, that's terrifying. Dude, I hope they I are never, weird creatures, dude. I hope I never encounter one of those. Apparently, they're in Iowa. I don't know. We'll see if it's got... That's a no for me. All these. Oh, man. They're all over the place. Dude, look at this. Oh, my gosh. Can we look up Lynn County? Lynn County. Right? Up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Last recorded in 2023. Oh, hell no. Yep. Oh, yep. hell no. Got to get out of here. Got to get out of here. 2023? These things are running rampant in Lynn County, Iowa. Milk snakes are light-colored snakes with reddish-brown and black blotches. Northeast Iowa, the belly is light-colored with checkered with black markings. In eastern part of the state, there is a light-colored Y or V-shaped mark on the back of the neck. So that's how you'll know. How big are these things? Uh, 24 to 36 inches. So Hell not, no. Not, not super big. Still big enough. Unbelievable. Here's, here's some of the other ones that we've got. I want to know the last time we saw a rattlesnake. Dude, Where's the rattlesnake are... set? These give me like an upset stomach. There it is. The Eastern Mississauga, Mississauga rattlesnake. Oh, not very, good. Not, not very prevalent. Did you just say good? That's yeah. endangered? Yeah, good. Endangering them all. I'm sorry, PETA or whoever is. The prairie rattlesnake is also endangered. Good. Huh. Well, they're in one damn county. Up in Northwest well, Iowa. Let's, let's state the obvious yeah. website, whatever this website is. We're in one county. Obviously, it's going to be endangered over here. Yeah, no kidding. All right. Uh, this one comes from Pennsylvania. Uh, thirsty burglar spoke, broke into a store in Bucks County, Pennsylvania earlier this week. Uh, the burglars did not want cash. They wanted slushies. At around 3.30 a.m., two men broke in, shattered the glass door at a convenience store, and ran off with two frozen slushies, and that's it. Frozen slushies. Yeah. That's what we're, that's what we're doing? How weird are people, Jared? Like, imagine risking a breaking and entering charge for, what, $3 worth of slushies? Imagine going to jail and the guys all in there. Oh, what, what they got you in for? You know, just, they stole stole a slushy. Yeah, that's a tough scene, man. That's a tough scene. Like, I, how down bad do you have to be before you're like, "Yo, let's just go make this happen. Let's get these slushies." Like, you couldn't grab a candy bar on the way out. A little Cliff Bar. You you just need just a slushy. Right. At that point, you might as well take the money and do everything. Like you've already you have already successfully broken in. Well, by the time you had the like the time and effort to make the slushy, you had yeah. the same amount of time to just rob the place and just, yeah. just take everything. Yeah, take anything that you wanted to. And you, like I said, you've already gone through the trouble to break in, and I don't think like the value of what you steal dictates what you're gonna, what kind of trouble you're gonna be in and breaking and entering or anything like that. So it's like at that point, you might as well just take whatever you want and not just the slushy. Like this is just bad. This is just being a bad criminal. This reminds me of the dumb and dumber scene where they go and drink the slushies and they get the huge brain freeze and they just they they chug <laughs> they chug the slushy in front of the the cash register. <laughs> yeah, these people are crazy. People are crazy. All right, uh, our last story. 
Morgan Wallen last weekend was supposed to hold a concert in Oxford, Mississippi at the, uh, at the football stadium there. Uh, he ended up having to cancel at the last minute for, I think he lost his voice. There were rumors that it was because he was hung over. Those rumors have since been refuted. I don't know. It wouldn't surprise me if Morgan Wallen maybe was hung over in Oxford, Mississippi. I think if I was in Oxford, Mississippi, I'd probably be hung over too. Like I can't blame anybody, you know? So I wouldn't be mad about it if that was the case, but Mandy Walker Nolan was mad. She was very mad uh, that Morgan Wallen had elected to cancel this concert. And she, they, everybody is getting refunds for their tickets, uh, but she wants a refund for her entire trip. So this is how this all shakes out. $560 for a hotel, which I would hope is at least more than is more than one night uh, yeah. to spend $560 on a hotel, two tanks of gas, $80, four tickets, $1,600, four hundred dollars for man tickets a piece like that's crazy um her outfit 120 dollars. her husband's outfit 218 dollars. ah the husband spent more money oxford grill house 235 dollars. cracker barrel 40 dollars. los perillos 45 dollars. drinks at the concert 220 dollars. morgan wallen merch 235 dollars. and can't forget the trip to rebel rags which is like the bookstore in uh in oxford actually it was part of uh the last time that old miss was under ncaa investigation rebel rags was part of the investigation they were giving people free things uh it, at the at the store 629 dollars spent at rebel rags for a grand total of three thousand nine hundred eighty two dollars on the weekend does morgan wallen owe mandy almost four thousand dollars Here's the thing. If you have the amount of money, like spending at a, that's an absurd amount. Like, yeah. For one wise, weekend, you could go, do a lot of things with that money. Yeah. Like you could, I think you could have budgeted your money a little better there. If you're going to concert, there's just one concert. Like I went to a festival this summer, this oh, yeah. last it's, weekend. Speaking of which I've, I've got, uh, oh, no. I think I have a look of what I think the the husband's outfit, what I think it looked like, why it probably cost two hundred eighteen dollars. We'll take a look here. This is this is reportedly the outfit. <laughs> this is my hillbilly denim day. All right, <laughs> I had three. Jared, I had three separate outfits for. Uh, Stagecoach. Yeah, and you're wondering, and you're wondering how the guy spent two hundred eighteen dollars on his outfit for the. Hey, for I'll, the I'll break it down. The the boots were the most expensive, right? I had a I had a nice nice pair. I, I had I had my dressier boots back at home. I didn't want to ship them, so I had to go get a new pair, right? Because it was last minute Stagecoach ticket. Shirt was twenty dollars at a vintage store in San Diego. Hat was twenty dollars on Amazon. The sunglasses were two dollars at Goodwill. I had the the white the white tube socks were a little expensive around seventeen ninety nine, and those boots were uh were a hefty uh around one seventy nine. Um, so you spent almost two hundred. You spent more than two hundred eighteen on it. Yeah, but it, it's stagecoach, dude. Dude, that had me. Oh, the belt too. I forgot about the belt. How sick is that belt? Look at that thing. I gotta zoom in on it. Well, that was a, that was a little a little forty five dollar forty five ninety nine. It's a good looking belt. That's just a good, good looking, looking dude right there. Look at that stash. 
Jared, the amount of hell yeah brothers I gave out this this last weekend. Yeah, I can imagine. Lot. I appreciate that your teammates immediately started roasting you on uh on in the comments. Yeah, Philip, I know he he goes who let him cook or something like that. I know that was as sarcastic as possible. But that's what teammates are for. Yeah. You shit. Yeah. But yeah. damn did I look good. You deserved it. You deserved it. You don't think I look good? I was with my girlfriend on uh, whatever day it was that you posted that. And she said, oh, my God, did you see Jordan's picture on Instagram? <laughs> Hell, yeah. Oh, geez. Oh, so it, it made I did see I, I went on the insides of my post and I had like 250 people that said like the the uh, arrow thing to send yeah. it to someone. And it's like, it was more than like some of my, po- my posts I had during my college career. Like when oh, it was like, pop out. yeah, everybody's roasting your ass. It's fine. <laughs> Dang with me. I'll handle it. I'll, I'll, I'll handle it. It's funny to look at those Instagram, uh, look on Instagram where it shows how, how many people have sent your posts. Cause like, I'll look at our videos that we post and people will send the shit out of those things, yeah. you know? And I'm like, man, I, I guess I didn't realize we were funny enough to send it to your friends, but I appreciate that. We, we're, we're good people. I think I don't think you give us enough. Oh, this is getting clipped and this is going on there and this is going to get uh, sent to home to so many people. I'm sure. I'm just saying it was a fun time and I, I was dressed to the occasion. Who's the best person that you saw? Oh, singing wise. Tyler Childers was unbelievable. Like on unbelievable. I don't know if a lot of people that listen to us know who he is. He's an up and coming country artist. Holy shit. He is like his vocals are unbelievable. But Chris Stapleton, it's hard to beat Chris Stapleton. Like just an unbelievable singer. His wife is so underrated. Like she's unbelievable. Like I don't think she gets enough credit for what she does. Pure musical talent. Chris Stapleton is pure musical talent. It's crazy. And just think about like, like what, seven years ago they were. Yeah. Just normal people. Just normal people. It's the same thing with John party. John party got, John party was unbelievable too. Um, he got inducted to the grand Ole Opry and he's a, he, I think he was the first California native to be inducted, but he was, he was unreal as well. And he was just a, he was talking about it on his stage. He's like a few years back, I was just a, a kid chasing a dream in Nashville. Like it's crazy. Like some of these country artists, how fast their careers blow up. Well, it's how it's crazy how fast some of them blow up and then how fast some of them go away. Yeah. Too, you know, yeah. like, I feel like Chris Stapleton most certainly has not gone away, but he was so big after that first album that he put out. And then I feel like now, you know, like there's other people that have kind of surpassed him at this yeah. point, but it's like, everybody's like a shooting star kind of in country music i don't know how much staying power some people have you know the thing that's so great about country music like i that's all i listen to is country music there's such a diverse like audience and singers like morgan wallen is more definitely as far probably from country music now from where he started like he sings a lot of like pop country but yeah every song now sounds the same yeah but like chris stapleton like his audience like we went to kane brown kane brown was a headliner on saturday night. he's an unbelievable performer but I mean, he's, he's country, obviously he grew up as a country boy and everything like that, but he's not, his country music is a lot different compared to Chris Stapleton listener. Mm-hmm. Like they're, they're just, the, the environment from a Kane Brown headliner to a Chris Stapleton the next night, Jared, it was hilarious. It Wasn't was so Kane Brown at Kelsey Fest too? 
in Kansas City? He might have been. I'm, I'm not sure. I think he was. I think he might have been the head the headliner at Kelsey Fest. I wasn't. I wasn't excited to see him, but he the everything involved with his performance, like the light display, like they had fireworks during the concert, like everything they did was. And he's an incredible singer as well. He was just one of the probably the most entertaining guys just because of everything that went into it. Like Chris Stapleton, he didn't have really – I mean, he's not moving on stage like Kane Brown, let's be honest here. Was Chris Stapleton on Denim Day? No. he Chris Stapleton was my uh, white floral uh, button-down and uh, my working blue jeans. I imagine a man like Chris Stapleton would want to kick your ass if he saw you wearing that. Denim. Probably, I wanted to kick my own ass. To be honest with you, <laughs> <laughs> there was a point where I was looking at me and I was about like, you know, seven margaritas deep and six beers deep. That I was like, damn, I'm the biggest fucking douche on the planet right I'm now. I'm an asshole over here. I am an asshole. <laughs> you got you got uh, drunk enough that you had a moment of clarity. Yeah. And the moment of clarity too was I was standing in line for a drink and a guy goes, This is the first day. A guy goes, he taps me on the shoulder. Everyone's super nice there. Like it was just nice country folk there. He taps me on the shoulder. I'm in the line. I goes, Hey, your hat's on backwards. I was like, <laughs> I was like what, what do you what do you mean? He's like, Your your cowboy hat. I, I didn't want to embarrass you and yell something. I just decided to come up to you. And there's like there's hundred and fifty thousand people there. Like it's huge ground. Like there's a ton of people. He's like, Your hat's on backwards. You gotta you gotta put the the size it, it's supposed to go on the front and the, the taco side is supposed to be on the front. I was like, dude, thanks so much. I have no idea. Like, and he was probably as He was a very, like I, he was so country. I couldn't even understand him. He's yeah. like this fucking moron. This, this guy's guy. an idiot. Look but at the him great right thing here. is I had a great ass time. Hey, that's all that matters. <laughs> that's all that matters. All right, everybody. We'll talk to you guys again next week. We'll, uh, we'll have plenty more for you. I'm sure. All right. Talk to you later, Jordan. Peace, everybody. Iowa everywhere.